I'm going to do something today I very rarely have the opportunity to do, especially when you're teaching through series. I'm going to go back and I'm going to review where I, I was last week, and then I'm going to continue where I left off with part two of protecting your heart. Um, man, there was some good stuff in last week, so I wanted to go back and pick some of it back up. If you remember last week, I drew several parallels between the physical heart and the spiritual heart. You remember that? You, you already you forgot already? Somebody, you shook your head, yeah, I forgot. No, you didn't forget? Okay. Just, I'm just, just checking on you guys. You guys, remember what, you guys remember me talking about the parallels between the spiritual heart and the physical heart? Okay. And I said, physically speaking, a healthy heart can do amazing things. And then I said, conversely speaking, though, if our heart malfunctions, our whole body shuts down, dies, and grows cold. And then I said this. I said, my physical heart and your physical heart is the command center of our lives. It's the most important, it is the most important organ in our body. Listen, if your heart shuts down, you are done. Simple as that. And then I, I gave you this statistic from John Hopkins Medicine. It says heart disease has topped the mortality charts as the number one killer of men and women globally for many decades. Wow. Wow. My sister-in-law has a genetic heart problem. She has had one or two of her siblings die of this genetic heart disorder. Her name is Carol, and she has this apparatus in her heart. It's not a pacemaker, but it's kind of similar to the... Do they even make pacemakers anymore? Yeah? Okay, I'm just, just checking. But this thing is... I guess it's kind of like a pacemaker, except for... It varies the level of shock depending on what her heart is doing. So, so what happens is if she's having like a mild heart um, where it skips a beat a little bit, a murmur or whatever the case may be, this thing will give her a little jolt, just a little one, just to get the heart back in order. Is that a, is that a pacemaker? Okay. A, defib a defibrillator? <laughs> Go ahead. We got a doctor back there in the house. I love it. It's a defibrillator. So, but, but then, but check this out. But then, if she is having a serious heart-like condition, and this is what happens. Sometimes she'll just be talking to you, and her heart will just stop. It'll just stop beating. And so I've been in conversation with her where her heart stopped beating, and it shocked her. I mean, like, kaboom! You know, she's like, and she says, I can feel the electric voltage in my feelings, in my teeth. And here's why. Because the doctors know and you know that if your heart stops, you're dead. You're dead. Here's the parallel. <laughs> Man, you know, this, this just came to me. I think sometimes the Holy Spirit has to shock our spiritual hearts. But I'll get ahead of myself. I'm not careful. Here's the parallel. The same can be said for our spiritual hearts. In the scripture, the word heart represents our emotions. It re represents the center of who we are, our thinking and our reasoning. Our heart is the command center of our lives. When my heart is warm spiritually, I'm spiritually healthy and I can accomplish many things for the kingdom of God. 
But if something happens to my heart that causes my spiritual heart to shut down, my entire spirit man shuts down, dies, and grows cold. And when that happens, I am rendered ineffective in the kingdom of God. We are only as spiritually healthy as our hearts are healthy spiritually. So here's another parallel. Just like physical heart disease is the number one killer of men and women across the globe, spiritual heart disease is the number one killer of Christian men and women in the world. Hmm. So then I raised three points of awareness from our text last week. The first was this, that you and I are commanded by God to keep our hearts. Somebody say, keep your heart. To keep your heart, that word keep here means to protect against. It means to to guard against invasion or intrusion. It means to, to shield from injury or loss. Then I said this, it's your heart. Your heart is yours to keep. Remember I said that? Gloria, I can't keep your heart. Your heart is yours to keep. Tammy, I can't keep your heart. Your heart is yours to keep. Pelzetta, you can have my heart, girl. Mm. (laughs) But you you got to keep your own heart. Our hearts are ours to keep. Turn to the person next to you and say, your heart is yours to keep. Tell them. Now tell them this. Yeah, yeah. Now tell them this. So keep it. Tell them that. Yeah. And listen, if we're going to keep our hearts, we're going to have to be led by the Holy Spirit on how to do it. It is impossible for us to navigate through the minefields of this life by ourselves and expect to get out of it with an unscathed heart, with a healthy heart. We need the help of the Holy Spirit if we're going to keep our hearts right. Hmm. So why should I protect my heart? Because Scripture tells us from it flow the springs of life. Just like our natural heart, our spiritual heart controls our actions, and our actions determine our habits, and our habits structure our character. Whatever controls our heart controls us, and that's why Satan relentlessly schemes to get ground in our heart. All he wants is just a little bit. Jesus said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. All he wants is just a little bit. Just a sneeze. Just a germ. Then he can take back the part of your heart that you surrendered to God. To guard our hearts. We ought to protect our heart with all vigilance for for when it comes to protecting our hearts, we have to be in a continued state of readiness and preparedness and on full alert. Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. The devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Be vigilant, be alert. That's how we protect our hearts. So, from our text today, I'm going to go back and grab the verse 23. We're going to read all the way through 
verse 27. If you have your Bibles, join me in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. You there already? Okay, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I'm reading from the ESV version. And for those of you who are watching by Facebook Live, welcome. We're glad you're with us. And uh, my version might sound a little bit different than yours, but that's okay. As long as yours points you to Jesus, I think we'll be okay. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech. And put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and then all of your ways, all of your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Once again, our text gives us, I think, three observations that'll help you and I guard our hearts. And here's the first one. Guard, I'll give you all three of them, then we'll go back and recapture them. Guard your eyes, guard your tongue, and guard your actions. Guard your eyes, guard your tongue, and guard your actions. Here's the first one. Guard your eyes. Watch what you watch. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. <laughs> this, is, this is so interesting here. In an article written in January 2014 from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, I had to practice that, and I had to say that real slow. Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Did I say that right? Okay. Can't get tongue-tied on that one, man. And it was conducted by a team of neuroscientists at MIT that found out that the human brain, get this man, can process entire images that the eyes see for as little as 13 milliseconds. I mean, that's faster than you can blink your eye. Let me say that again. The human brain can process entire images that the eye sees for as little as 13 milliseconds. And then Mary Potter, she was a professor that kind of led this study. She's a professor of brain and cognitive scientist and a senior author of the study. Listen to this, man. The fact that you can do, the fact that you can do that at these high speeds indicate to us that what the vision does is find concepts. That's what the brain is doing all day long, trying to understand what we're looking at. As little as 13 milliseconds, your mind can grab an image that come from your eyes and lock it into your mind. And if you let it lock into your mind, it can get down into your heart and change you. That's why, guys, pornography is so dangerous. Okay, let me say that again because there are some women that like pornography too now. Struggling with it. Look what Jesus says. He says, the eye is the lamp of your body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. 
But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is the darkness? Everybody say this. I must watch what I watch. And listen, if our minds are picking up what our eyes are seeing that quick and establishing memories in our brains and then, that, and, then, and then those things work their way down to our hearts, we, man, listen, we are bombarded with images every single day. Every single day, millions of images are being captured by our eyes and get into our brains. <laughs> Try to get into our hearts. Listen to this. Just, just listen to these different forms of social media that some of us are on. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, MySpace, Google+, Cafe Mom, Gather, FitzSugar, Pinterest, Flipboard, Instagram, Flickr, Vimeo, YouTube, WordPress, Squareplace, Squarespace, Ustream, Livestream, Foursquare, Snapchat, just to name a few. Okay, so watch this. If you have a cell phone, stand up. Man, okay. Okay, 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 so you guys, that was a good exercise. Okay, everybody sit down for a second. Okay. It's, what's that? Yeah, you might have to stand up again. Man, okay, so I remember when I was growing up that it was James, Bo James Bondish to have like a watch that could talk to you and stuff. <laughs> if you have a cell phone that's connected to your watch, stand up. Stand up, Nate. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, thank you, guys. Thank you. You can be seated. Wow. Wow. What did mom say? Oh. <laughs> Maybe that should be stand up if you know how to use it to its fullest extent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Listen, in this day and age, well, all we're being barred against, man. Scripture's telling us the only way that we're going to protect our eyes, listen to this, is to fix our gaze straight ahead. To be intentional on what we watch, with what we watch. To stay focused even when nobody else is around and watching what you watch. Because listen, God is always watching. God is always watching. Man, man I want to stay on this so much. Hmm. 
Guard your eyes. Here's the second point. Guard your tongue. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Man, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not going to add much commentary unless the Holy Spirit gets a hold of me. I'm just going to read this right out of the Scripture. What the Scripture says about the tongue. First Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it Will he eat the fruit thereof? That's what the King James says. Healing and killing are in the power of the tongue. Wow. Look at what Proverbs Look what Proverbs 16 and 19 says. I'm going to have to read that out of the Message Bible because I like how the Message puts it. There are six things that God hates and one more that he loathes with passion. Eyes that are arrogant, a tongue that lies, hands that murder the innocent, a heart that hatches evil plots, feet that race down a wicked track, a mouth that lies under oath, a troublemaker in the family. <laughs> if y'all got troublemakers in your family, don't worry, God will get them. Yeah. <laughs> Just hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battle because he hates, he hates it. It's an abomination to him, a person that, that makes trouble in the family. You know, here, okay, let me stop. Okay, here I go. Listen, listen, listen. I think it's the King James says that God hates a person who sows division or discord amongst the brothers. How are you going to do that with this? Okay, let me keep moving. Flip back over to James, going to the New Testament. James chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to read this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. That's why I think James, was, James had to be black. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> For you know that we who teach will be judged with the greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they will obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Hmm. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So the tongue, or so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. 
How many of you heard about the, the, the forest fires in California? Do you, you see those? Ridiculous, man, right? And, and almost every single time, those forest fires are started by a little tiny spark that got out of control. Listen to this. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body and setting on fire the entire course of life and is set on fire by hell. Okay. Hurt people hurt people. And normally, if you find someone giving another person some hell with this, it's because they are going through hell in their own personal life. And often, if we don't have the Holy Spirit helping to govern our tongue, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll read in a minute. It is impossible that we control that thing. We don't hurt people. How do I know? Because it says right here in Scripture. For every beast, for every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. How many believe God's word? No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessings and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. It is impossible that we can govern our tongue without the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to help us govern our tongues. As a matter of fact, the majority of the time when we don't govern our tongue, it's because we've override, we've overrode the, the, the unction of the Holy Spirit to just be quiet and say nothing. You ever had that unction for the Holy Spirit to just, you, you want to say something so bad, I mean, you want to say it bad, that's why I just got to tell him something. You know what I'm saying? You just have to tell them. And the Holy Spirit said, no, man, no, Greg, hold your tongue, hold your tongue. Don't say that. Don't say, oh, I told you not to say it. And the moment you say it, all hell breaks loose. I believe that's why the scripture says, grieve not the Holy Spirit wherewith you are sealed to the day of redemption. Because I think that we can override the Holy Spirit and cause him to grieve. And, you know, I think we could cut. Oh, boy. Mitch was talking earlier about some of the stuff we go through. You know, there's a passage of Scripture that says, the God who is faithful will not allow us to be tempted above that which we are able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. Here's the point of that. God won't put more on you than you can bear, but you can put more on you than you can bear. 
And there are times, man, when the Holy Spirit is saying, man, don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't say it. Oh, man. And then you hurt someone. And that wound runs deep. Sometimes they end up having to go to counseling because of some words that you gave out of your mouth. Some words that I gave out of my mouth. There are some things that I have said to people and I really didn't mean it in a malicious way. But I knew the Holy Spirit told me, Gloria, don't say it. And I said it anyway and it came out wrong and it caused immense hurt. And not only is that person hurt, but I'm hurt. Because why didn't I just listen to what the Holy Spirit told me? In the moment, our tongues, you guys, we need to guard our tongue. We need to watch what we talk about. We need to watch who we're talking about it with. And we need to watch who we are talking about. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You know, here's what I've learned. I've learned that as a mature Christian, there are some things that, that we just cannot share with others who are less mature spiritually because they cannot handle it. Seriously. We have to be careful, even of some of the revelation that God gives us. When we're talking to young Christians who are just getting started, because, man, some of that stuff, if it, they can get out in the weeds. Listen, we can get out in the weeds. Hmm, okay. Let me leave that alone. You know, my, my, my godmother, one of my godmothers, I had, a, I had a whole lot of godmothers, actually. That was really cool when I was growing up. I had a lot of godmothers. They loved me so much. It was wonderful. But all my godmothers were older women, man. And Mother Lucille Lee was like 82 years old when she was my godmother. I think she died when she was 89. And Mother Lucille Lee told me this, and I've never forgotten it. It has guided my life. She said, honey, if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. She said, even if you have to sit there for a couple of minutes and look completely bamboozled, it is better for you to not say something than to say something that you know nothing about and regret it. Man. Yeah, we have to guard our, have to guard our tongues. I'm going to hit this real quick and I'm going to get off of it. You know, there's not a week that goes by that I'm not hit with the opportunity to address something. You know, as an African-American man, and especially as an African-American pastor, I am constantly bombarded, especially by some of my, my elder statesmen who are not African-American, and they want to ask me questions. And so they ask me questions about the racial tension in the United States and across the world. They ask me things about, how do you feel about Colin Kaepernick not standing for the national anthem but kneeling? They ask, they ask me all the time. It doesn't take much. Man, what do you think about what the president said today? <laughs> right? 
And I'm always, I, I have to be careful of how I respond because, listen, there are some people, there are some people who could care less about what you, what they're asking you. They're more interested in how you respond. That's why I love Jesus, Mike, because Jesus hardly ever answered a question with the, with the answer. He always answered a question with the question. Think about it. The woman at the well, I love this. The woman at the well comes to Jesus and he says, hey, I'm, if, you know what? If you, I have water that you know not of. She said, where's that water, man? I want some of that water. He said, where's your husband at? <laughs> she said, what? Where's your husband? And, you know, and then he went on to tell her, you know, yeah, yeah, I know. She said, I don't have a husband. Said, yeah, I know you don't have a husband. You had five of them. And the one that you're with right now is not even your husband. Did he answer her question? No. I think when it comes to answering questions, sometimes we just need to be more like Jesus, don't we? All right. Let me go to my third and final point. Guard your actions, your conduct. Watch what you do. Verse 26 and 27, ponder the path of your feet, then let all your ways, then all of your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. That word ponder means to remove impediments to make sure that the, that the surface that you're walking on is smooth and level. And then he says, don't swerve to the right or the left. In other words, keep on course. Find the course given you by the Holy Spirit and, and stay on course. He says, don't turn your feet away. In other words, be intentional about staying away from evil. In other words, be careful of your walk. Be careful where you walk, how you walk. Watch this now, who you walk with. Where's Nate? Oh, who's running? Who's, you running from Nate? Nate is running. <laughs> you running from your seat? I love that, man. Sit by your honey, man. I love it. <laughs> I ain't even mad at you for that, man. Go on, sit. I know you like it too, don't you? Mm-hmm. So Nate, put up that. Put up the. Put up the. Yeah, put up that one. Okay. So. So when I first had my back surgery, one of the things my doctor told me, he said, listen, I want you to walk 30 minutes a day, right? And so my wife and I decided we, we went and Googled all the paths and everything, and they gave us this, hmm? Yeah, thanks to Ember. And, and they gave us these paths, and they said, this one is like zero difficulty. This is one difficulty. They told me this path here was, was one difficulty. Somebody needs to go back and reassess that trail. <laughs> Because I'm telling you, man, I went there, and you know, I, my back is still smarting because I'm just right out of surgery, right? So I go there, and you can't really tell. You can't really tell of the, of the, of the angle of this thing because it goes, look, that, that part that's right here, it goes straight down, man. You see how that path looks really, really small? That's because that's a distance because that thing goes straight down, man. <laughs> I mean, straight down. And look at those rocks. Those rocks were sticking up all over the place. And so Pelzetta and I were already walking through the mud, man. And I, and I, had, I didn't have these shoes on, praise God. 
But I was walking through the mud, man, and, and there was rocks all over the place. And, and, and we were walking, and we got to this spot, and we uh. You know, that's why it's important to know who you're walking with. <laughs> because if I was walking with Roger Brown, Roger probably would say, yeah, man, let's go down there, pastor. <laughs> <laughs> But my wife grabbed me by the arm. She said, uh, no. We're going back. Because you're not supposed to be walking down that path. So put up the other picture, Nate. Right down the road was this one. And off in the distance, there's a bridge. And that path is smooth. It's straight. It's wide. There's hardly any mud on it. Goes over a bridge by Campbell Creek. People were running with their dogs that weren't on leashes. <laughs> man, I'm all over the place today. Listen, people in Alaska have some big dogs, man. <laughs> You know, they running around and stuff, sweat hanging, stuff sobbing all out their mouth, and they run all around. And then people just running behind them. Oh, he's friendly. He doesn't look friendly to me right now, man. <laughs> trying to tell you. <laughs> and you had that great big old thing. What's that thing called? Newfoundland. They could only bark one time. <laughs> he bought this big old, woo! You don't see them on the trail too often, I tell you that. Okay, man, come back in, Greg, come back in. Okay, where was I at? I forgot where I was at. Okay, so walking the trails, the trails. Okay, so the Bible tells us that the steps of the righteous are divinely ordered by God. But it tells us that in order for God to speak to us to make sure that we stay on the right path, in our walk, we have to trust him with all of our heart, not lean to our own understanding, acknowledge him in all of our ways, and then he will straighten out the path for us and then show us what path to walk on. That's why it says that the steps of a man or woman are established by the Lord, watch this now, when he delights in his way. I'm going to close with this. The world is watching us, man. They know who we are. They know who we profess to be. And so you and I need to guard our actions. Watch what we do. Watch how we walk. Watch our conduct. You never know who's watching you. You never know who knows you. Yesterday, Pelzette and I walked into the, we no sooner walked out of our car and got into the bowling alley, stepped into the door, and a woman turned around and said, Greg and Pelzetta McCormick. <laughs> and I was like, I, I'm, and Pelzetta, and we didn't know who, who she was. You guys ever see those, 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 um, those mystery shows where they have the, the, the facial recognition software? You know what I'm talking about? Where, you know, they, they put the person's face on the camera and the facial recognition software does all the light stuff and it comes around and, you know, and it figures out the person is a bing, no match, right? 
That's exactly what my brain was doing right then, Rob. I was like, my facial recognition software in my brain was trying to go, and it's like, bing, no match. And so she finally told me, she said, my name is, she told me what her name was. In case she's watching, I don't want to embarrass myself. But she told us who her, what her name was, or who she was. Come to find out that she was, had been a neighbor of ours for a while. Our sons grew up together, or her son and our son grew up together. Now listen, what would have happened if Pelzetta and I had gotten into intense fellowship before we walked in there? Y'all know what intense fellowship is? Okay. What would have happened if we were in intense fellowship and we walked in and I'm walking in there angry and she's walking in there angrier because she can get angrier than me. I just want to just, I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying, man. Yeah. I'm sinking. Mike said I'm sinking. <laughs> Everybody say, guard your tongue, pastor. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. But what would have happened if, if, if we had been, somehow been at odds with each other and I would have walked in there and, you know, just all like twisted and, man, she might not even said anything to us, but she would have watched us. She would have judged by what she saw that day what my relationship with Jesus looked like. We have to be careful and be on guard all the time. The world is judging our character and our conduct as followers of Jesus Christ. So let me give you three practical ways to guard your eyes and your tongue and your actions. And then we'll wrap this up. And Mitch, you can come to the piano if you would. Call these keys to guarding your heart or guarding your eyes. Um, here's the first. Seek silence and solitude. I didn't know that Mitch was going to talk about this today. Just everybody be quiet for just a second. Just be, just be totally quiet. I saw many of you shut your eyes. For some of you, that might have been the first time today that you were quiet and no noise. We need to give our minds and our hearts a break. We need to give our eyes a break. Seek silence in solitude. Mitch said this earlier, I want to say it again. Listen, if you are not intentionally carving out time to be alone with Jesus, you are robbing yourself of an opportunity to hear clearly from God, hear clearly the direction of the Holy Spirit. You are robbing yourself of the opportunity to recharge spiritually. To allow the Holy Spirit to turn that searchlight on your heart to see if there's any area that's crept where the enemy's crept in. So seek, pursue silence and solitude. Here's the second thing. Before you speak, stop, breathe, and listen. Before you speak, stop, 
What are you saying to me, Holy Spirit? How do you want me to deal with this? Okay, honey, I don't think I heard you right. Will you say that again so I can listen? When you do that, when I do that, we'll be less likely to let our tongue become unruly. And the third is this, shut it down. Practice a Sabbath. When is the last time, oh, let me say it like this, and I want you to look around. Raise your hand if Within the last month, you've intentionally cut your cell phone off for 24 hours or more. One, two, three, four. Raise, raise them real high. If you intentionally cut your cell phone off intentionally so you wouldn't be bothered for 24 hours or more. Okay. Now raise your hand if you haven't. Yeah. No, I was wanting you to raise your hand. <laughs> no, I, I, I shut mine off, man. I shut mine off. I practice a Sabbath. And those who spend time with me know, man, that on Fridays, it's really, really hard to get a hold of me. Same with Pelzetta. Because we try our best to shut things down so we can just get in a private place by ourselves. Just her, I, and Jesus, man. If you're not practicing the Sabbath where you, you are very intentionally spending time to hear from the Holy Spirit, to re-energize your spirit, no cell phones, no phone calls, no emails. Just you and Jesus. It's almost like taking a vacation and still being at home. Those are three ways that you can guard your heart. Did you get something out of this today? Yes. Let's pray. Go ahead, Mitch. Father, thank you so much for the privilege that we have of being your children. Thank you, Father, for your word that is forever settled in heaven. Let it settle into our spirits and our hearts and our minds. And Lord, I pray that there's no one in here right now that is just a hearer of the word and not a doer. Will you stand with me? Those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. For some of you, when I talked about ways of, for, to protect and guard your heart, talked about silence and solitude, shutting things down, and stopping, 
breathing, and listening. You could hear what I was saying, but it's, man, it's almost like a foreign concept. But I dare you this week to just take one of those things and just practice just one of those concepts and see if the Lord, because of the intentionality of your heart, won't meet you in your endeavor and bless you in ways that you can't even imagine right now. Will you try it?